0: Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse, a podcast that gives a voice to narcissistic abuse survivors. I am Brandon Chadwick, but my friends call me Chad, and thanks for tuning into this episode. So what is a narcissist, you may ask? Generally speaking, a narcissist is a person who has an excessive sense of how important they are. They demand and expect to be admired and praised by others and are limited in their capacity to appreciate others' perspectives. And guess what? Not all narcissists are made equal. Yes, that is true. Narcissism is a character trait that exists on a spectrum. A small amount of narcissism is healthy, and a person with an unhealthy level of narcissism may be called a narcissist. At extreme levels, it may be diagnosed as narcissistic personality disorder. However, for the purposes of this podcast, a narcissist is a person who exhibits narcissistic traits and or a consistent pattern of maladaptive narcissistic behaviors, regardless of whether they meet the diagnostic criterion in the latest version of the DSM manual or have a formal diagnosis. So a person may be referred to as a narcissist on this podcast even if it is more likely that they have another cluster B personality disorder, such as borderline, histrionic, or antisocial personality disorder, so as long as they exhibit narcissistic traits and behaviors. And now, with all of that out of the way, because that took me a long time to record, you have no idea how many times I tried to record it, let me tell you that there is a survivor named Annie on this episode, and when you think you've heard it all before, Annie emails me, and proves me, and will prove you all wrong. So get ready for that. It's a really interesting episode, and that will be coming up in a couple of minutes. But before that happens, I just want to thank everyone in the Narcissist Apocalypse community for listening to the show and sharing your thoughts by email, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Reddit. So a big shout out to the Narcissist Apocalypse community. And if you haven't left us a review on whatever podcast service you use... Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, CastBox, etc., etc. Leave us a five-star review because it helps out the podcast a lot. If you want to write out a review as well, that would be great. It helps for rankings. And as far as being on the podcast, we still have a little bit of a moratorium. We think we might have come up with an answer to that problem. However, If you want to be part of an episode as quick as possible, we have something called the Narcissist Apocalypse Letters to a Narcissist episode. So to be part of that episode, go to our website, NarcissistApocalypse.com, and on the right-hand side of the page, you'll see this floating button. It's hard to miss. It says, Send Voicemail. You press that button, you read your letter to a narcissist, it records... Uh, you can re- it, it records up to about five minutes, so if you need more time, press it again. After you're done, press, press it as many times as you need to press. Record your letter, and we're accumulating these letters for a volume two of that episode, so send in those voicemails, and if you want myself or Melissa, remember Melissa, my old friend Melissa who's been on the episodes a couple of times, uh, we will read your letter instead if you'd like us, so just send it to NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com. And what else is going on? Our website is close to being done. It's possible it could be done by the next episode. I'm hoping that will happen. And besides that, socially, I did not go visit Melissa, as I intended to in Hamilton last week. I could not fall asleep. And when I finally did, I woke up. And then I thought about waking up or sorry, I thought about falling asleep and I couldn't fall asleep. I put too much pressure on myself. And thankfully, Melissa understood because she's just a really good friend and I've apologized to her many a time and I'm going to apologize to her once again. I'm sorry that I didn't come to Hamilton and I'll make it up to you somehow. One day we'll be recording our shows again. And one last thing, I got a note from a community member this week named Rebecca. So a big shout out to Rebecca. We have been trading emails back and forth for a while. And also I want to say hi to her sister from across the Hudson River. She knows who she is. But Rebecca has sent me this email and I asked if I was allowed to share it on the show. And she said yes. So here it goes. Here we go. For one whole year, I've been holding on so tightly to my kids' Trying to prevent any further trauma and have and I have been spinning my wheels with my efforts unheeded, and these are the things that I have learned. One, any kid in any situation doesn't want to listen to their parents anyway. Two, they will probably never see their dad for the narcissist that he is. He does not abuse them the way he abuses me. Three, the narcissist just throws money at the kids to solve my to solve any problems, never taking ownership of the damage he has caused. And number four, the more I tried to convince my kids to see the wolf, they could only see the sheep. Therefore, I was spinning out of control to protect them when they didn't even see the threat. The less they understood, the more spinning I did, which only proved to my kids that I am the crazy one, as the narcissist has stated several times. But not anymore. I was holding on so tight that they were pulling away from me. I've decided to pull back for them. I will always be there for them, but I need to focus on my bright future. Hashtag superstar narc survivor, exclamation point, exclamation point. So Rebecca, thank you for this email. Thank you for always sharing your story with me. And a big high five and a big virtual hug for your breakthrough. And I'm sure everyone in the narcissist apocalypse community is sharing those high fives and virtual hugs with me towards you just keep it going we're all proud of you you should be proud of yourself and now I'm going to get out of my own way here is my interview with Annie and I will check back with you when it's all over thank you to everyone that has shown up for today's episode and with me I have Annie thank you for showing up and being a part of the show today Annie thank you thank you Well, I know your story. We had a pre-call. I know everything. Not everything. There's some things uh, I'll ask a little bit of questions about. But now I am rambling, and I am just going to get out of my own way,
1: and the floor is all yours. Thank you. Um, So I guess I will just start at the beginning. Uh, My ex and I met on a dating app. It was one of the swipe apps we matched. He messaged me right away and we ended up sort of messaging back and forth that first night. Um, I liked him. He seemed okay. He was very chatty and kept the conversation going, which I liked. Uh, We had some stuff in common. So at that point, I was in a master's program for disability studies. And when I told him that, he mentioned that he was or he is deaf and that he communicates with sign language so i thought that was interesting i had never dated anybody deaf before i don't know sign language and i let him know that um but i have some exposure to deaf culture and um and to sign i have co-workers who are deaf and i was sort of active in some disability communities not um, the deaf community um so it definitely wasn't a deal breaker or anything like that um So, yeah, he seemed okay. There were a a couple things in that first message that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. But overall, you know, we had an okay conversation, and he gave me his phone number. And so from that day on, we started texting every day. Uh, It was actually a month before we met in person. Uh, We matched at the beginning of December. So it was around Christmas time, and we both had plans with... um, family and Christmas plans and that sort of thing. Um, So we were just sort of texting back and forth. And in that first week or first couple weeks, he disclosed a lot. So he immediately was telling me um, like really personal, like sometimes traumatic stories about his childhood He was talking about his addiction history. He told me about um, intimate details about his sexual history. I mean, we were having like these really long, like one or two hour conversations every night. Um, He told me about his relationship history, that he had been married and that um, he and his wife had split up and that he tried to get back together with her for a number of years, but she didn't want to get back together with him um, and that they don't get along at all now. And that since he split up with his wife, he's really made a point of being friends with all of his exes. And he is. Um, all of his friends, as far as I know, are ex-girlfriends. And of all of the exes that I know about um, of his, he is friends with all of them. And that's something that's a little bit different with him. Like a lot of times when I listen to stories on the show, um, I you know I hear stories of uh, people who, uh, like they the person that they're with is like slandering their exes or is saying that their exes are crazy. Um, but with the guy that I was seeing, it was actually the complete opposite. He spoke in like really glowing terms about all of his exes. they were all amazing women. He was so proud to know them. He was happy that they were still friends. Um, yeah, so I and I liked that, of course, because I thought that showed maturity. You know, he wasn't slandering them or saying anything bad about them. Um, he told me that his last relationship had ended about six months before we met, and that the reason it had ended is because he was just totally in love with her, and she had never wanted to make it exclusive. Um, and then he had basically been single for six months, and then he met me. So. Initially, I actually felt uh, really happy that he was opening up to me, Um, and even though the conversations were very one-sided, like, I almost felt guilty, I was like, oh, I'm not really sharing anything about myself, like, um, I'm not holding up my end of the conversation, but I found when I sort of tried to find an opening in the conversation to talk about me, there never really was one. He was kind of descending, like, these huge, long walls of text, and I barely had a chance to, like, sort of text back to confirm that I was paying attention. Um, and then, you know, he'd just tell a story about himself, and then, like, the conversation would be over, but... Um, But in spite of that, like, overall, my first impressions of him was that he was, like, just really funny and quirky. He seemed like a super positive guy. Like, he was never mad or frustrated or grumpy. Like, um, stress just seemed to, like, roll off his back. And I liked that he was so chatty because I'm a pretty reserved person. I don't really like talking about myself. So, um, you know, I appreciated that conversations were really easy with him. Um, He was popular in his communities, too, so he has, like, thousands of followers on social media, and so I kind of felt flattered, like, oh, wow, like, this guy who's so popular and gets all this attention has, like, chosen me to spend his time with. Um, So, yeah, so that was, like, the first couple weeks just texting back and forth, and it was probably about two or three weeks after uh, we started talking that I eventually told him where I work and I texted him and he texted back, oh shit. And then he followed that up with, um, my brother Jeff works there. Jeff is not his real name. <laughs> um, so Jeff is actually someone that I had worked with for about uh, seven years. He, we had essentially the same job in the same department. Jeff had started working in the department a few years after I started. And I never really knew him well. Um, Jeff is deaf also, so just because of the language barrier, because I don't know sign language, it was difficult to have, like, start a conversation with him. But, you know, I would say we had like a professional friendly relationship. Like he would smile or wave when we passed in the hallway and, you know, we had meetings together and we would sort of, um, chat in the meetings, um, with, when the sign language interpreters were there and, you know, we'd eat lunch at the same time in the lunchroom. So my impression of him was just, you know, he was just a private shy guy who just kind of liked to keep to himself. Um, So, yeah, so my ex tells me this, and I was like, oh, my God, like, yeah, of course I know Jeff. Like, we've worked together forever, and, like, his office is just a few doors down from mine. And my ex, like, immediately texts back, and he's like, oh, um, my brother has a rule that I'm not allowed to date anybody that he works with. And I was like, oh, that sucks. Like, okay, do you not want to continue on with this or, you know, like that seemed like a pretty specific rule and he was like, my ex was super reassuring, like, no, no, no. You know, I really want to see where this goes with you. Um, like, it's not a big deal. Like, uh, you know, we sort of dropped it, but then over the next few days, you know, he'd sort of bring it up. Like, you know, I'm really worried about what Jeff's reaction is going to be when he finds out, you know, that we're seeing each other, like keeping in mind that my ex and I had actually not even met yet. Um, and so, you know, yeah, he was texting me, like, oh, he had had a conversation with his best friend, um, who was one of his ex girlfriends. Um, and he was talking to her about how stressed out he was, about what Jeff's reaction was going to be. And, um, you know, he brought up, like, you know, Uh, all relationships end, and, and, um, you know, what is it going to be like for you if you have to work with um, the brother of an ex-boyfriend? Like, aren't you worried about it being a toxic work relationship? And, like, what if Jeff tries to, like, retaliate on you? And I just thought, like, what is this, like, what conversation are we having? We haven't even met yet, and now we're talking about what my work situation is going to be like when we break up. Like, I just thought it was odd and kind of an overreaction. But, um, you know, he had, my ex asked me, like, do you think, like, I should tell Jeff now that we're seeing each other? And I'm like, well, we haven't even met. So why don't we meet first, like, see how that goes, and then come up with a plan um, about what we're going to tell your brother. So he seemed okay with that. Um, So we... um, We're setting up a a date and time that we were going to meet. We live about an hour apart, so we planned to meet in the middle, and uh, we were going to go for lunch at a restaurant. So we had sort of narrowed down, I think, like three places, and he gave me the choice of three places where, um, where we would meet and asked me to choose one. And so I just like randomly picked one and immediately he shot it down. I was like, no, nope, I don't want to go there. You know, I had a first date there once and it was really bad. I showed up and, you know, the girl was high. And he starts telling me this really long, weird story about this date. And I was like, okay, well, I mean, he gave that as one of the options. Pick a different one. I don't, it doesn't really matter to me. And, you know, at the time I was just like, oh my God, this guy is so funny. Um, in hindsight, I see that as sort of the beginning of how he navigated our relationship and sort of giving me the illusion of control, but never actually letting me make any decisions. Um, but we, we set a set a place for the first date. You know, it's leading up to the date, and, and on the day of the date, like I was pretty nervous. We had been talking for a month, every day. And so I felt like there was a lot writing on it. Like I was genuinely starting to like him. Um, and I hoped that he would like me. So I show up, we're having lunch. He brought a pen and paper with him. And so that's how we communicated on that first date. Cause of course I didn't know any sign language at that point. And, you know, it was just mostly like a normal first date, kind of like small talk. Um, I do remember at one point we were talking about tattoos And I showed him a tattoo idea that I had, and I was pretty excited about it. It was, like, this really cool, like, woman-tree hybrid type of thing. And I'd been working on it for a while, and so I was like, oh, like, look at this. And I showed him a picture on my phone, and he just looked at it, and he, like, wrote down or said, like, it's a tree. And, like, very, like, deadpan and kind of, like, just gave me, like, a so what shrug and then sat there and stared at me. And I just, like, that reaction was just so unexpected. Like, typically you would expect someone to say, like, oh, that's really neat or that's cool. But just the way he, like, immediately shot it down and was just so dismissive of it, that's really the first time that I remember feeling, like, shame and stupid about something that I liked. Um, But other than that, like, lunch was fine. We finished eating. He asked if I wanted to go for a walk. Um, So we went to a park nearby, and we went for a walk. And he held my hand, and I just thought that was so sweet. It was like high school, like nobody had held my hand in so long. And so we walked for a bit, and we were kind of typing notes back and forth on our phones. And eventually we stop, and we sit on a park bench, And the bench was sort of um, in front of a playground, and it was a really beautiful winter day. So there were lots of kids and families sort of playing in the playground behind us, and we're sitting on the bench, and it's really sweet. And, um, you know, we're writing notes back and forth, and then he leans in to kiss me. And he starts kissing me, but these are not like... Tentative first date, like getting to know you kisses. So it was like aggressively making out, like tongue in the back of my throat. Like it almost hurt. He was kissing me so hard. And so I felt uncomfortable right away. Like, first of all, because it was just so aggressive. And also because there were kids playing like right behind us. So I stopped him and I kind of gestured to the kids like, dude, what the heck? Like, I'm not making out with you in front of children. And uh, he types a note to me on his phone, and he's like, I don't care. I can't hear them. And I was like,
0: (laughs) I'm like,
1: yeah, I get it. Like, I understand you can't hear, but you know they're there. Like, you can see them, right? Like, it just was so weird, that response. And so he asks me, he's like, do you want to stop? But it wasn't like in a like supportive way. It was like very accusatory, like not friendly. And so I was kind of like, "Eh," you know, I, I wasn't comfortable with it, but also like, this was our first date and I didn't want to screw things up on our first date. And so I was kind of like, no, that's okay. But you know, then he starts like making out with me again. And I'm kind of like, pushing him away a little bit. And, you know, so he kissed me for a little bit longer. And then um, he kind of like stopped, just stopped, stood up, smiled, waved goodbye, walked to his car and drove away. And I was just like, all right. Like, so I'm sitting on the park bench after like my face had just been assaulted with this guy's tongue. And then he just like got up and walked and drove away. And I was just like, what the hell just happened? Like, I'm driving home and I was like, yeah, that was like the weirdest first date I've ever been on. And uh, I get home and already he's texted me. He was like, oh my God, like he was totally gaga over me. He couldn't believe how great our date was. Um, he was like, told me that he remembered the way the sunlight hit my hair and that it looked magical. Um, he was like, "I, you know, I have to set up a second date with you right away. Like, I don't want to wait. And I was just like all right, like, so I'm starting to doubt my own perception. Like, okay, maybe the date wasn't as bad as I thought it was. Like, it wasn't that it was bad, but...
0: I I have one question. Yeah. I probably have a million questions, but this is the (laughs) one question I have right now. Did you think he was socially awkward? And that's what was, you know, did you find that maybe, oh, he's socially awkward. I, uh, I can deal with that.
1: Yeah, I think a little bit. Um
0: and you also talked to him for almost a full month before, so you yeah. you knew him well.
1: Yeah, I felt like I knew him and also like So he um when I met him, like physically he is similar to his brother. And so I don't know if maybe that like there was some familiarity there because of that, like I don't, yeah, I I honestly don't know. Like, I kind of just remember thinking, like, I've been dating for a while. I've been on a lot of first dates. Like, it's definitely not the worst one I've been on. I guess, like, in comparison, I was like, you know, it was weird. He was a bit too aggressive. But, you know, like like you said, we've been talking for a month. Overall, I like him. Like, I guess I was sort of like, I'll give him a pass on that, maybe, if that makes sense. Um. But, yeah, so we set up a second date, um, and we were, I think it was for, like, a week later. And uh, our texting, like, definitely started turning more sexual after the first date. Um, So we were talking about what we liked and what we didn't like, what was okay, what was not okay. He told me he thought there's like, a pretty decent chance we might sleep together on our second date. And I was like, yeah, I agree. Um, We had made plans to meet at his place. And, like... Normally, I would never, like, ever consider being sexual with someone on a second date or, like, even meeting a guy at his place on the second date. But again, like, there was that level of intimacy there almost because we'd been talking. And it wasn't just every day. It was, like, all day every day. So he would text me in the morning. We'd check in throughout the day. And then we'd have these super long conversations at night where he was telling me all these really personal things. And so even though we had only been on one date, it seemed like we had known each other for much longer. Um, and also because he was the brother of someone I'd worked with for seven years. So there was like some familiarity familiar, familiarity there too. And almost like, I don't know, like the illusion of safety, right? Like nothing bad is going to happen. Cause he knows, I know his brother like, and his brother seemed like a decent guy. So I think like in that respect, I kind of, um, like moved a little bit faster with him than I normally would have. Um, But anyways, yeah, so it's our second date. I get to his house, walk through the door, take off my coat, and, like, he starts kissing me. And we made out for, like, two hours. It was, like, just intensely physical. Um, Eventually we come up for air, and he put on a movie. Um, We sort of chatted via pen and paper. He had the pen and paper out again, and we were just talking about, like, Traveling, where we'd been, where we wanted to go, and um, you know, eventually it was getting late, and I left. And the next day, I didn't hear from him, and that was unusual because, like I said, we were texting all day, and so like in the late afternoon, I texted him just to um, be like, "Hey, I'm just curious, like how you thought the date went last night." And he told me he was busy, and he texted me back later that night. So it wasn't until like 8:30 or 9 that night that um, I actually heard from him. And when he texted back, he said. Eh, you know, the date was fun, but it seemed like more of a hookup. I just, I don't see any long-term potential with you. Um, didn't ask what I thought. And he mentioned like, there's always awkwardness and communication when I'm seeing somebody new. And he kind of alluded to the fact that like, maybe my communication wasn't as strong as he wanted or, um, like I wasn't doing something and he didn't like elaborate. So I was like confused. I was like, Oh, like we were just communicating with pen and paper, like what did he expect that I would have learned some signs already? Like he didn't mention anything about that. And again, this is like my first experience dating someone that's deaf as well. So, um, you know, I don't, I didn't know if there were like, was an expectation or what that was. Um, so he's telling me all this and I was just kind of like, okay, like I felt crushed. Cause I mean, the, Knight had definitely been mutual. He was very dominant. Like it wasn't me putting the moves on him, but then he kind of shifted it back to me. Like, you know, you know, I was just a hookup. So I asked him like, okay, well, do you want to try again? Like, do you want a third date? And I don't even know how it came up, but he somehow decided that, Um, that we would see each other again. But what he was going to do is he was going to set up a 10-date trial. And um, after the 10 dates, he would decide if I would be his girlfriend. And Lord knows what I was thinking. Um, I have a lot of questions about what I was thinking, but I agreed. Um, And so we started seeing each other like once or twice a week. And it was a trial. Like he would tell me after every date how many dates we had left Um, I found out later that he was actually keeping a log of all of our dates. So after each date, he would record like what we did, what we ate, if we watched a movie, what movie we watched, like if we went somewhere, as well as like sexual positions or like sex acts, like it was all in there. Um, And it was after seven dates that we were texting one night and he told me that I was his girlfriend. And I was kind of like... Sarcastically, as sarcastically as you can be over text, was like, "You still have three dates to decide that." Because I was not impressed with his whole ten-date trial thing, and uh, and he said, "Nope, I've decided it's done." And so, like that was it. Like I was his girlfriend, and I wanted to be his girlfriend at that point. I was like completely infatuated with him. The love bombing was like in full effect. Like he was texting me constantly and like, you know, he would tell, like he wasn't just happy, right? He was texting about like, he was blissed out. He was telling me like I was the best parts of all of his exes put together, that he had waited such a long time for me, that I was a fantasy. I would wake up sometimes to find that he had texted me in the middle of the night to tell me he was thinking about me and how happy he was. He told me he had like no doubts about us, um, like, very soon after, he told me that I was his girlfriend. He started talking about the future. Like, um, he was like, you know, for our, our first anniversary, you know, I want to go back to that restaurant that we went to on our first date. Like, this is seven dates in. I think, you know, what, like a month or two, like two after we had met. Like, and he's already planning our first anniversary. Um, our relationship was hypersexual, like from beginning to end, that never changed. Every time we got together, um, we would have sex like two or three times at least. Um, he was very touchy even outside of that. So we were always holding hands or he was rubbing my arm. We were sitting together, you know, like he'd have my legs in his lap, rubbing my legs. Um, like, you know, at that, in the beginning, it just really seemed like he could not get enough of me in every way and I mean, he was up on a pedestal too. I just thought like he was the most fantastic person that I had ever met. He was like the funniest and smartest and most interesting and coolest. And, um, I mean, I was, yeah, just totally like head over heels for him. And, uh, right around the time that, um, that he decided that I was his girlfriend he told me that he had told Jeff about us and he's like yeah Jeff said you're like a super friendly nice girl and um and I so I felt like relieved I was like oh good like that's over you know we were worried what his um reaction might be and so it seems like it was a good reaction so you know I expected like you know I might get like an email from Jeff at work being like ha, like I heard that you're dating my brother you know or like some sort of like awkward conversation and we'd have a laugh about it um, and at that point I had also started to learn sign language so I was like you know you know I'm in a committed relationship with this person now I really like him things are looking good we're talking about the future like he American sign language is the language that he uses to communicate so you know I want to learn that because I don't want to be writing notes back and forth or typing notes on our phones every time we get together. And so, you know, I'd watch videos on YouTube or, you know, there's video, uh, websites that you can go to to learn sign language. Um, we were using an app called glide to message each other. It's basically like a messaging app, but you use, uh, send videos instead of texts. And so like, yeah, in that, you know, the beginning things seemed like awesome. We were both really into each other. Um, But then, like, he started planting, like, little seeds of doubt. Um, And just, like, the way that he manipulated me was always kind of the same. So, like, for example, um, one night we're texting and, you know, instead of our usual, like, super long conversation, he's taking forever to get back to my texts and kind of give me, like, one or two word answers. So I ask him, like, is everything okay? And he's like, yeah, I'm just busy. And then the next day, we was back to normal. So I was like, okay, like, you know, people get busy. I didn't really think anything of it. And it was like a week later, and he texts me, and he's like, you know, I just want to apologize for the other night when, um, when I was busy. You know, I made you worry, and I feel really bad about that. And I was like, oh, don't worry about it. Like, you were busy? And he's like, yeah, you know, the reason that – I was busy is because um, an ex-girlfriend of mine had emailed me. So this was the the woman that he had gone out with right before me, the one that he had been in love with, but who wouldn't commit to him. Um, this, is so, the, you know, this is
0: the question I had for you, and I'm sorry for interrupting.
1: No, no, it, go ahead.
0: Because I've been wanting to say some things for a while. Okay, go for it. So uh, on that note of the this woman... I wrote down here, uh, did you ever meet any of these exes, number one? And two, do you think these exes are people that went on dates with him and he uh, presented his 10-date trial and they said no to it immediately? And that's when their relationship ended because, you know, after seven dates, you were already his girlfriend. So maybe in his mind you know, he was on maybe date three with them when he threw that out there in his mind, he could have called them his girlfriend, but really just someone he went on a date with. And then he became friends with them after. Is that a, a possibility we're thinking about? Because that whole 10 date thing, uh, always like, this is the second time I've heard it. Uh, it still <laughs> blows, it still blows my mind. Uh, he was, audition- it was his own bachelor episode, like, like, like his own little TV show. Yeah. So do you think that's kind of the thing? And, and you were someone who, just, you know, you had this full month of conversation with them. You were love bombed. You gave him the benefit of the doubt and you went along with it. Is that something that in your mind think that that was something that happened?
1: So, I mean, that is a good question. And the honest answer is, I don't know. I never met any of his friends um, or family except for his brother. And that's because I worked with him. Um, all I know about his ex-girlfriends is what he told me. Mm-hmm. I know that there were pictures of them on Facebook, so I I saw some of them. He told me, each of his relationships seems to last around two years, um, so he told me that all of these ex-girlfriends that he is still friends with um, were all, like, two-year relationships, um, that he had, like, most of them had kids, so he had, like, met their kids, and... Um, that they'd all sort of like, that he had made sure that they ended on good terms. So that is what he told me. I don't know if he has exes out there that hate his guts (laughs) Um, and he just didn't tell me about them. I have no idea what his relationships were like with his ex other exes he presents it as like he was totally in love with them everything was great due to whatever circumstance usually like they didn't want him for some reason um they broke up but they were friends afterwards so i don't yeah, I don't. I think it's probably likely that they that it was more than just the ten dates that they went out for a substantial amount of time. But I honestly have no clue because okay. the only information I have about his past is from him, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that that is presented in a light that is favorable to him.
0: <laughs> All right, so I'm sorry for interrupting. Where where yeah, where, no. where, where were you with this <laughs> story?
1: Yeah. So oh, yeah. So he. Te- so he's. Um, where was I? Oh yeah. Right. So he's texting me saying like, he's really sorry that he made me worry. Um, but he was busy because an ex-girlfriend of his has sent him an email and she wanted to be friends again. And I think, yeah, he had to talk to her because she wanted to sleep with him and he had to tell her that he couldn't because he was with me. And so like, obviously I'm feeling insecure. Like this, you know, person that I'm with brushed me off to talk to a woman who admittedly he was in love with but couldn't be with because she didn't want to be and now he's brushing me off to talk to her about the fact that they like they're discussing whether they can sleep together or not so I'm like you know I'm feeling insecure and then he says that he has a question for me and then there's a long pause which he always did he never asked questions like anything about me So I knew, like, if he did, it was going to be something important. But he always, like, have these long pauses. So, like, of course I'm anxious, like, oh, my God, what's he going to ask me? And then he asks, "Uh, in my previous relationships, like, was I usually the one that broke up with my partners or did they usually break up with me? And, you know, like, and then, you know, I answered. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I just assume, like, because you're so awesome, like, you were always the one that broke up with them. But it's just, like, that is like, such a typical conversation for us. He sort of, like, comes in like the good guy, like, you know, I'm really sorry I made you worry, and then, like, plants, like, a bunch of insecurities, you know, well, let's talk about breaking up a bit, and then, like, ends the conversation, but, like, oh, my God, like, but you're the best. Like, I'm so happy to be with you. Like, those types of conversations just happened all the time. Um, so, you know, he started, like, you know, at the beginning, it wasn't as frequent, um, but he he was starting to get like sort of hot and cold. So some days he would still be like over the top, over the moon. And then the next day he seemed like almost annoyed by me, like annoyed by that. I was texting him all the time and he'd be like short answering or ignoring me. Um, And our conversations were changing too. So at the beginning, um, you know, he's given me like tons of personal details, but the conversation sort of shifted and started becoming like very superficial. So we were still texting all day, but like now all we were talking about is like what he was eating, what game he was playing, like what he was watching on TV, Um, and he never asked me about me, like even to ask how I was doing ever. It was just like, he would give me an update on him and then that was it. If I did talk about me, like text about me, he'd just say like, cool, or, um, he'd change the subject or end the conversation or text back like, oh, you can tell me about that another day. Like the conversation would just shut down if I tried to talk about myself, um, if I brought up anything that I liked, it was sort of the same as on our first date. Like, when I was talking about the tattoo, like, he just didn't care. Like, not impressed, not interested, didn't want to talk about it. Um, he never gave me any genuine compliments. So, if I'd ask him, like, what do you like about me? He'd say, like, oh, he liked how I made him feel. He liked how much I liked to please him. Or, like, he liked how I made him feel attractive. But there's never anything about me as a person. It was all about like how I made him feel. Um, and it started to bug me. Like when we first met, I saw he's like, he's so positive. Like he's never stressed out. You know, everything just like rolls off his back. But now like I was starting to realize I'm like, that's not really positivity. Like he just lacked emotion. Like, I never saw him sad. I never saw him stressed or worried or angry or happy or excited or anything. He just sort of existed in this emotionless state. It's really hard to describe. Um, Yeah, just completely, like, I guess almost like a robot. Like, just nothing. Even if he brought up something that he should have been bothered by, he was just like, eh. Like, just shrugged everything off. Like nothing bugged him ever. Um,
0: I wrote that line down. (laughs) He existed in an emotionless state.
1: Yeah. Always though. Mm -hmm. Always. Um, and, uh, yeah, everything was always on his schedule and according to his plans. So like what days we saw to get, what days we saw each other, like how much time we spent together, what we did when we were together, If I suggested, like, seeing each other an extra day or on a different day, it was like, no, that's not going to happen. He was always too busy or too tired or just didn't feel like it. Like, it was all him and what he wanted. Um, And he never called me by my name, ever. It was always like babe or baby or cutie or hun. Um, Near the end of our relationship, he actually gave me the nickname Ruby. And the reason that he gave me that nickname is it's short for Rubik's Cube. And, uh, I'm sort of skipping ahead, but we ended up breaking up three times and getting back together. But, um, so he said that I was like his Rubik's cube because he liked scrambling me up and then putting me back together and then scrambling me up again. And he said, it's fun because every time the scrambles are different.
0: Wow. And I
1: just, I thought that is the most self-aware thing. I think I've, I think that's the only self-aware thing I ever heard him say, but also like he just had no shame about it. Like he basically admitted to me that he was fucking with me. And and then he made a nickname out of it and that's what he called me. So, yeah, I don't know. Like anyways, moving on.
0: I'm I'm shocked that that is shock. that is, you know. I've heard a lot right? on this show. That's a that's that's really interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I th- and I when it, when he said that, I was like does that mean what I think it means? I don't know how else to interpret that. So I choose to believe that he was aware of what he was like. I know a lot of times when people are in these relationships, like one of the questions is like, do you think they know what they're doing? Um, and based on that, I think he did. I think he was fully aware and I, he obviously didn't care because I mean, that's just rubbing it in my face. Right. Yes. But, um, Yeah, so he, like, he never tried to impress me. Um, You know, like, he never cleaned up his apartment before I came over. He never dressed up when we got together. It was just kind of like, this is me. Like, take it or leave it. Um, He constantly complained about how far away I lived. Not how far away we were from each other, but how far away I lived. Um, And he would say things like, you know, that he was so lucky that, um, that I was his girlfriend and that we were going out because I would drive to see him. And he, like, you know, told me, like, he sure wouldn't do that for me. So, like, you know, he was so lucky that, like, I was willing to do that for him. And then... Um,
0: Can I interrupt you for it, one second? Yeah. Because I'm still stuck on this Rubik's Cube thing. Because we, right. didn't, we, didn't, we didn't discuss this before. Right. When he says this, at this point in your own mind, how confused are you?
1: So he, he gave me that nickname close to the end. It was after we got back together for the third time. And at that point I knew like who he was. And like, I, I think it was more like just confirmation. Like, yeah, I know this guy is screwing with me and I know he doesn't care. And now he's like basically admitting it to me. But, Yeah, I don't...
0: It's like an evil, sadistic uh, person in a comic book movie, and he's the villain, and at the end he tells you his plan or what's going on in a way.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, I have a lot of questions about... Now, with some distance and perspective, I have a lot of questions for myself about what I accepted and why. That is definitely one thing where I was like... Why was that okay? Like why when he actually admitted it to you, did you not just leave? But I think at that point, I mean I was so deep in it.
0: Oh yeah, you're, I, you were you were super deep in it. Like you yes. you were a love bombed to another degree, yeah. the whole seven yeah. like the whole thing at the beginning with like the constant contact. Uh you had no chance.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, the oxytocin was flowing man. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was in it. Um yeah, so um, so he, throughout our relationship, was very critical of my sign language skill. Um, so he would make really disparaging comments about hearing people, and he would tell me a lot, like, how hearing people's signing sucks. Um, he would show me comments in his, um, online deaf groups where like other deaf people were talking about how much they hate hearing people. And then he would kind of like, just look at me and smile and wait for my reaction. And I was like, you know, like, why would you show me that? I know that that sentiment exists within the deaf community. Um, not from everybody, but you know, it's just like a hurtful thing for him to, to show me. Um, When I was trying to sign with him, like, he always just looked, like, really annoyed. Sometimes he would look away or he'd just sort of, like, nod dismissively and then walk away. Like, he was just super not encouraging. He never, like, offered to work on it together. He never even really, like, acknowledged if I was improving or learning, um if I was struggling, like if we were having a conversation and I couldn't think of how to express myself, he'd just sit there and watch me. And it was just like, honestly, it was just humiliating because I'm an intelligent person and I was putting real effort into like, it's an entirely new language. Sign language isn't just signed English. It's got its own syntax, its own structure and its own vocabulary. And so like, I'm trying to learn this language to improve the communication in a relationship that's really important to me, and he just was really critical about it. Like I, I never felt supported, or like he wanted to help or work on it together. Um, at one point, he gave me a quota, so he told me like he expect he told me he expected me to send a certain number of glides every day, and that they had to contain at least two new signs that I hadn't used before. So now, like it was almost like an assignment and he would get upset with me if I didn't meet the quota. Um, And you know, by this point, like I was talking to my friends about him and stuff. And a friend of mine mentioned that she knew someone, uh, a guy who had started dating a deaf girl and learned sign language. And she was talking about like how romantic it was. And so I kind of had that in the back of my head, like, yeah, like what I'm doing is really romantic. Like I'm learning a whole new language for like this person that I'm falling in love with. But it didn't feel romantic. Like, it felt really uncomfortable and awkward. And I always felt, like, shame and responsibility for not being better. Like, it seemed like the expectation was that I would be better than I was, even though he knew when we first started dating I didn't know how to sign. Um, but I started using, like, language and and culture barriers as like an umbrella for everything that was all the things that were wrong in our relationship. So I would be like, well of course things feel off, like we can't have a proper conversation in person and you know text messaging is not ideal. There's lots of like nuance lost. So it's like of course this doesn't feel like a normal relationship because you know we're struggling with this communication piece. Um, Like, he never wanted me to meet his friends and family. And I was like, well, of course he doesn't. Like, I can't sign. Like, that would be, you know, a a challenging situation for me to go spend time with him and all of his friends if I can't understand what they're saying and I can't express myself. Um, You know, whenever I would, like, laugh or, like... Um, try and tell him something funny. Like, he never found anything funny that I did. And I was like, well, you know, maybe it's like a cultural thing, you know? Deaf humor is different than hearing humor. And so, you know, I just need to be more sensitive and, like, understand that, you know, he's not going to find everything funny that I find funny. Um, And I totally took on, like, all the responsibility to improve our communication. So if we were having a conversation and it was challenging, It was like, well, that's because I didn't learn enough or, like, I'm not trying hard enough. Um, And I really, like, I felt super anxious when we were together. Like, I would really almost feel, like, dread leading up to our dates. And I was like, well, of course, like, of course I feel anxious. Like, it's stressful having to communicate and, you know, with, like, my limited language skills um, but by the end of the relationship, like my signing skills were quite a bit stronger. Um, like I could definitely understand, um, what he was saying and my expressive skills were getting better. Like we could have an entire conversation in sign language by the end. Um, and I actually ended up right before we broke up, I, um, signed up for, uh, an ASL class at Gallaudet university, which is the deaf university in Washington, DC, um, and that was really eye opening because all of my instructors and TAs were deaf and i was really shocked i was like why are they being so nice to me like deaf people hate hearing people like why are they why are they helping me out when i'm when I, there's a word that i don't know and they were giving me all this feedback they're like why are you taking an asl class like your signing is excellent I, I got 100% on my midterm and my instructor actually emailed me she's like your skills are beyond excellent like and so i was like huh, like, maybe it's not that I don't have the skill to communicate with this man. Like, maybe it's that he's, like, shutting down um, shutting down our conversations. And I kind of almost wonder, like, so when we were going out, he'd always tell me, like, you're going to be my last hearing girlfriend. I'm done with hearing girlfriends. Like, my next girlfriend's going to be deaf. Um, and I kind of wonder if he purposely chose hearing like a hearing girlfriend because he it created like that power imbalance like I couldn't communicate with him and maybe that's why he wasn't super encouraging of me learning because he didn't want me to like he didn't want that level playing field I don't know that's did he, just speculation
0: did, did his <clears throat> did his brother ever have an issue with your signing
1: um I've never communicated to his brother so I don't, so <laughs> I don't know. so
0: what happened with his brother
1: so um Yeah. So I'm just, uh, yeah, I'll, I'm just about to get to that. I just like, (laughs) so the only other thing that I wanted to mention, um, about our relationship, um, especially in the beginning was, um, that my ex hit me, uh, a lot, like probably almost every time we were together. The first time he did it was on our second date. Um, and then it was, yeah, probably almost every time that we uh that we got together after that mostly he would slap me in the face um and it was hard like it hurt he would hit me so hard that like my ears would be ringing um and there were times that he left bruises uh sometimes he would like choke me by sort of like holding his arm across my throat uh and it's confusing to talk about because he never did it out of anger he was never mad Um, Ever, And it was never, like, out of retaliation for something I did. It just, like, sort of happened. Um, He never apologized for it. He never, like, he never asked ahead of time if it was okay. A lot of times it would be, like, during sex or while we were kissing, but not always. Um, He spat on me during sex sometimes. Um, Yeah, and I it's confusing to talk about because I never brought it up either. Like he never discussed it. He never said, is this okay? He never apologized afterwards. He never mentioned it. I never mentioned it. That log that I was talking about earlier, where he was keeping track of all of our dates, he would write it in there. Like he would say like slapped in the face. So it wasn't something that he was like hiding. And yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. That's, something that I need to think about, I think, is why I let that happen without saying anything. Um, But um, yeah, anyways, uh, his brother. um, So yeah, so initially, you know, he had told me his brother said that, um, you know, I was a super nice person and I was like feeling really positive about things. He told uh, my ex told me so. Like he was going to try and respect each of our boundaries by not talking too much about us to each other, and I was like, "Awesome! Like, yeah, that seems like a good idea. I totally understand that." But then um, it was starting to cause um, problems. So my ex was reporting back to me that Jeff was upset because, you know, my ex wasn't sharing details about his relationship with him, and they had always been super close, and now all of a sudden they weren't talking. Um, You know, these conversations about his brother were happening, I'm going to say, like once or twice a week. So this wasn't like every so often. This was like a constant, like almost constant topic of conversation. Um, My ex was telling me like he was so stressed about not being able to be open with his brother, sort of implying like I was driving a wedge between them. He told me that Jeff wasn't happy we were dating Um, Jeff was upset because my ex wasn't spending as much time with him because now he was spending so much time with me. Eventually it got to the point where he was telling me that Jeff hated me. And I was just like, he hates, like he doesn't even know me. So at this point, Jeff and I have not had a conversation, not in person, not by email, nothing. Like he has not acknowledged that I'm dating his brother. I have not spoken to him or communicated with him that I'm dating his brother, um, And uh, at work, things were starting to get weird. So, like, Jeff stopped acknowledging me. So, like, um, if I passed him in the hallway, like, he'd sort of turn his head or avoid making eye contact. He would sit down right next to me in the lunchroom, like, not even acknowledge me. Um, There were times, like, if I was walking into the office behind him and um, I know he saw me, he'd, like, walk through the door and let it just close in my face. So he was very blatantly, like, making a point of of ignoring me, basically. Um, Jeff was also reporting back to my ex what I was saying and doing at work. So like I would mention something in a team meeting and then I get a text from my ex at night asking me questions about it. Um, <clears throat> Jeff would email or Jeff would tell my ex that, um, you know, I tried to wave at Megan today and she's ignoring me. Like I'm trying to be so friendly and she's not. And so then my ex would be texting me like, what's going on at work. You know, my brother's telling me that, you know, he's trying to be friendly to you and, and you're ignoring him. And so I'm like, Whoa, like this is just like escalating. Right. I'm like, okay, I haven't even had a conversation with, Uh, with Jeff at all, and so I'm, you know, I'm trying to sort of, like, do some damage control and fix this, and so I tell my ex, like, look, I've got no problem with you talking to your brother about this relationship. Like, tell him anything you want. Tell him about our relationship. Talk about our sex life. Like, whatever you would have talked to him about before, I'm fine with it. Like, I appreciate this is a different situation, but you know, like, it's important to me that you and your brother, like, that our relationship not affect the relationship you have with your brother. Um, And he was like, my ex was just like, no, 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 I don't feel comfortable doing that. You know, um, you know, I just want it to be like you and me. Um, You know, I don't want to involve anybody else. I don't want to involve my brother. I don't want to involve my family. You know, just really, like, first of all, isolating us, but also just, you know, putting, like, this guilt on me for, you know, this, dynamic with his brother that was changing um uh, but you know while my ex is telling me that he's you know doing all of this to respect everybody's boundaries he would tell me really personal and intimate things about his brother and then tell me oh but Jeff doesn't want you to know that so um you know he'd tell me something about like his relationship or something and then show me a text where Jeff was saying like don't tell me So I just felt, like, awful because I'm like, oh, my God, I'm unwittingly violating Jeff's boundaries now, and I'm keeping secrets that I didn't even want in the first place, Um, and so I'm just, you know, and things are all weird and uncomfortable at work. And, um, and so I would, you know, I would talk to Max and I'd be like, look, I want to fix this. Like, I'm going to talk to your brother. Like, let, let's just sort this. This is just a misunderstanding. Cause this is like months and months and months had gone by at this point and like things were not getting any better. And I'm like, why don't, you know, I'll just talk to him. Like, he seems like a, like a reasonable guy. And Max was like, absolutely not. I do not want you guys talking to each other. Like he would be like, just like adamant. Like he does not want me and his brother communicating, um, uh, but yeah. So, but then at the same time, sort of like, like he was sort of like, yeah, you know, I'll arrange a time for all three of us to meet. So like you guys can meet properly. And, you know, I've I talked to Jeff and I told him like, this is really starting to affect our relationship. Um, but I mean, at work, like it was just so uncomfortable and so stressful. You know, I was like trying to catch Jeff's eye when we passed in the hallway or try to like, wave at him in the lunchroom and he just like shut it down. Um, and, you know, and then I'd get like a text that night saying like, you know, that I was the one ignoring him. And so I just started trying to avoid him. I stopped having lunch with my friends in the lunchroom. Um, I would just like wait till everybody else was done, get my lunch and eat alone in my office. And um, really just avoided leaving my office at all because I didn't want to bump into him. Like I just didn't want this conflict to continue and um, I didn't know how to fix it but you know I sort of felt like I was causing it because it's like everybody was sort of blaming me for it and I didn't but then when I tried when I suggested fixing it it was like well no we can't do that so um, you know I I started talking to my friends like look like I'm in this relationship and something's off like something's weird here. Like this guy I'm seeing is like really hot and cold and, you know, I'm I'm getting like a weird vibe from him and like Jeff's acting really weird. And my friends were just like, no, no, like, oh, Jeff would never let you go out with his brother. If there was anything like off about him and like sort of made me feel like I was imagining like Jeff's such a nice guy, like sort of like, oh, I'm sure you're just imagining things like, and I think because, he was, like, so quiet. I think everybody just sort of, like, assumed that he's, like, a super nice guy, but I'm, like, but none of us know him, like, but so I started feeling frustrated because everywhere I turned, people were telling me, like, it's in my head or, like, it's something I'm doing, and I sort of felt, like, am I just, like, seeking drama? Like, am I, I don't know, like, is this just me, like, perceiving things to be, like, different than they are? Um, and then, um, so I'm, you know, spending lunch hours in my office eating by myself, and then my friends are like, oh, you like, Jeff came in and had lunch with us today, and, you know, we were signing with each other, and yeah, he seemed, like, super happy and chatty with us, and oh, he was asking about you, and I'm like... So he's having lunch with my friends, asking about, like, if he has questions about me, why doesn't he ask me? Like, and so I was just like, I felt like I was going crazy. (laughs) Like, I was just like, I don't know what's going on. Clearly, I'm not managing this situation well. So I'm like, I'm going to send him an email. So I didn't tell my ex. And I, so I'm emailing Jeff and I'm like, look, I am sincerely sorry if, um, if I've ever appeared unfriendly, you know, like, this is a really difficult situation. I was trying to respect everybody's boundaries, but I don't think I've been doing a very good job of it. And it was never my intention to make you uncomfortable at work. And um, he emailed me back and his response was, I wish you the best in your personal and professional life. And I was like, okay, like, that was me extending the olive branch. I I can't do any more than that. Um, so... I mean, eventually I just sort of gave up, but I mean, Jeff was definitely like the third person in that relationship. Like there was this duality where, you know, I was going to work trying to figure out what I had done to Jeff to make him dislike me so much and, you know, work on that. Cause I mean, it's first of all was the brother of someone who I was in a relationship with and who I cared about. And also it's like, I, that's my job. That I was spending eight hours a day there. I didn't want to be hiding in my office all the time and feeling anxious and uncomfortable. Um, so, you know, I have this situation going on at work where I'm trying to figure out Jeff, trying to figure out, you know, how to fix that situation. And then I go home and then I have my ex who's also doing like, you know, the hot and cold and, you know, Becoming more and more distant, and you know, he was starting to cancel dates and telling me that he felt really stressed when we had plans to get together. Um, you know, and the love bombing had basically stopped at that point. And um, yeah, eventually, you know, he just stopped answering my texts altogether. And I remember one night I just texted him. I was like, "Is it over?" And he responded, "I guess so." And then uh, he was like, "You know, I totally understand if you're mad at me. You know, sometime down the road you want to say hi, you you should." um and then you know i was just like in shock basically that this relationship was over and then it was like 5 minutes after that he texted me saying like wow you know i feel really relieved now that that now that we've broken up and i was just like who is this person like it was just so cold like what a cruel thing to say and this is after you know like all the effort that he put into telling me like you know what we have is real and you know, like planning the future and everything else, just like you know that he's relieved, like, so anyways, I mean, that first breakup was horrible. I ended up taking a medical leave from work. Um, I'm seeing a counselor went on antidepressants. I mean, I was like in like physical withdrawal, like throwing up and just shaky. My emotions were like just out of control. Um, and it was about a week after we broke up. I was like just in shock and denial and I texted him just to ask how he was doing and he texted back this girl I was just talking to ended things because she was upset that I still had pictures of my exes on Facebook weird and I was like why would you tell me that and he replied because it just happened and so I asked him I'm like are you sad do you miss me and he replied no and no and I was like like, he was just, like, gone, just, like, cold, did, and I was like...
0: Did you ever get hoovered back or no?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. So it was about a month later, um, and he texted me and was like, you know, I don't, I don't always have to be the one to initiate texts. Um, and then, you know, I, I miss you, and I hope I hear from you. So we ended up getting back together. The next time we went out for about three months, I mean, it was the same thing, um, dynamic at work didn't change um same like hot and cold it, like everything was the same he broke up with me again um it was about four months I think that time we were still in contact after that breakup he after that breakup he told me that we could keep sleeping together until he found someone else but that you know it probably wouldn't take long just like giving me a heads up and I was like yeah no that's not going to happen So, I mean, I guess I set one boundary. But um, anyways, so, yeah, it was about four months. And then um, we started talking again, got back together again. So this is, like, the third time we're back together. Um, That was right around my birthday. So I turned 40 earlier this year. And he and I had plans for my birthday um, that evening. And uh, he stopped responding to my texts for, like, two days before my birthday. So I spent my 40th birthday scrambling, trying to find or trying to make plans so I didn't spend the night by myself. Um, for his birthday, he threw himself three separate birthday parties. Uh, I was not invited to any of them. Um, shortly after that, I found out he was cheating on me, and I'm pretty sure that he probably was for the duration of all of our relationships. That's just the only time I actually caught him. Um, I would be surprised if that was the only time. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it's, and, you know, dynamic was the same, hot and cold, superficial conversations. Just There's just, like, no depth or substance at all to our relationship. We never talked about, like, anything of substance. Um, the situation at work was just not getting any better, so I ended up actually taking a job in another department. Um, so, after, yeah, after 10 years in the same position, um, I left. So I still work in this uh, the same organization as his brother, uh, but I, we don't work in the same department anymore. So I still see him. Um, but just not as frequently as I did before. And he still ignores me. And I mean, that's not going to change. Um, yeah. So, I mean, but by the end of our relationship, really like, I was just constantly anxious. Um, it stopped like even mattering if it was a good day and he was nice or if it was a bad day and he was cold. Like, I never felt good when he was nice because it never lasted for more than a day. Um, he basically just started ignoring me when he came to visit. He'd sit out on on my back porch and he'd post in his social media groups, like every once in a while, come in and show me how many likes he got. But, I mean, otherwise, like, just couldn't even be bothered with me. All we all we talked about was him and what uh, what he was doing. I had like long since even stopped trying to talk about myself, um, and I just yeah, I was I just felt like a zombie. Like I was just going through the motions. I had no energy at that point. I had dropped out of school because I just couldn't. I didn't have the energy to do anything. But like ruminate on the relationship. Um, and a couple months before it ended, I started having panic attacks when we would spend the night together. Um, and I honestly, I could I couldn't even put together why I was like, you know, this is so weird. Like, I'm so excited to see him. And like coincidentally, every time he comes over, like I'm having a panic attack when I'm laying next to him in bed, like, you know, the fog and the denial was just so deep at that point. Um, And I think it was like the last night that we spent together. Um, And I was like panicking, like my hands were shaking and I was crying. And um, so he turns on the lights and he's like, what's going on? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, you know, there's tears streaming down my face. I could hardly even sign. My hands were shaking so bad. And um, he responded by pulling me underneath him and starting to have sex with me. And uh, so I laid there and had a panic attack while he fucked me. And that's when I was like, yeah, this man, like, he doesn't even see me as a human being. Like, yeah, I think that was, like, the moment when I really realized, like, this is, like, beyond just... He's not just, like, a selfish jerk um, or self-absorbed. Like, he's... There's... Something's going on here that's, like, deeper. Um, yeah. So- and I mean, like...
0: So I'm going to interrupt I, for one second. Sure, yeah. I, Is that okay? I've been, I've been hanging on every word. I've been trying not <laughs> to interrupt because it's a, it's just, it's a story that is, I'm sure a lot of people will resonate with it in some ways, but it's also very unusual as far as the circumstances and in in other ways. Right. And first, I just want to say. I, I, you know, there's trauma for you in the situations, the, the sexual situations and with the physical abuse and it's nothing to feel shame about. I know you you might or you, you possibly do for right. the role in, in what happened and it's nothing that you should because what has gone on here is not just a master manipulator. You have dealt with someone who has taken their disability. And this is why I've been, you know, listening to you and just thinking about it a lot. A lot of people say like, oh, this person took advantage of someone with a disability and they vilify that person for, you know, you know what I mean? Like they took advantage of a senior citizen. Like look how bad that was. It wasn't just a regular person. Here's, here's someone who's taking advantage of their own disability and using it in such a, I don't even know what the word it should come out of my mouth. It's not even, uh, it's a sadistic way in which he uses or use that disability to hurt you. And I you know it, it breaks my heart that you had to go through that and because I think most people in your situation who have empathy and who have a heart and genuinely care for people are are going to look at that and say and and give this benefit of the doubt possibly because of this and what they probably had to go through growing up and everything like that and this person knew that and they really targeted you and hurt you and i really hope that you don't feel guilt and shame i know it's easier to say for the, those things than to actually uh, heal that stuff. But it really was no way your fault for anything that happened. And if you think that you, you take some sort of responsibility for that, don't because you were, uh, manipulated pretty hardcore into that. And it's something that I hope, hopefully if you haven't dealt with it, that you, you do uh, deal with because, you know, listening to your story and, and everything about him, I was getting so angry at him just listening to it because of that reason. And, uh, you know, just, I just want you to hopefully, uh, heal that part of you. If you, if you haven't, uh, attempted to yet or, or want to go deeper into that.
1: Yeah. Well, thank, I mean, honestly, thank you for saying that. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously as I'm telling this story, there are definitely parts where, you know, I'm, I question myself and I do, I, yeah, I do blame myself because I'm like, you know, I never told him that that wasn't okay. And don't, I don't know. Don't, you're,
0: don't, you're, don't, you're, don't you're, question yourself. And I'm saying, you telling you right now, yeah. um, it, you know, it, it, what he did was terrible and
1: yeah,
0: it, it was him. It has nothing to do with you. He got your guards down like that. And it's not sometimes on the show I've said, Oh, that person's a master manipulator in my right here. This is just not met. Like this was, you know, it was very thoughtful and planned out and he knew what he was doing. This wasn't someone who didn't know what they were doing. And, uh, that's, that's not right. It was, you know, border, it's borderline, cri- cri- we're talking about in a way it's criminal what has gone on and well, you were, I, honestly, you were, you I were appreciate that.
1: I appreciate you saying that. Um, yeah, that's because I do like, I still, even like, um, today, like preparing to come on the podcast, I'm like, yeah, I don't even know, like, is this a story? Like, cause I, I still feel like I, contributed to it and in regards to the disability like I you know I am mindful that I as an able-bodied person I don't like to dictate to people with disabilities like how they manage their disability or you know how they navigate their lives as a person with a disability and so you know I think I gave him a pass on a lot of behavior because I'm like I'm not a deaf person I don't know I don't know how you know what his experience is in navigating relationships with people who are hearing, and I don't, and not having experience, I guess, with other deaf people, I'm like, I don't know. Maybe all deaf people do hate all hearing people. Like, I just, I don't know. I, I, I'm not knowledgeable about deaf culture. I'm still not. My main exposure is what he exposed me to, and so I was always very careful to not think of like he's using his disability to like, to hurt me or like he's doing this all wrong because I'm like, I don't get to tell him how he navigates the world as a deaf man. Um,
0: The only thing you are guilty of is being a good person in being a caring person. And if that's what you are guilty of, then, you know, that's, uh, that's, you're 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 a wonderful person. I can hear oh, it in your voice, you. and that is your strength. And if, for this person, it was a weakness he went after, and uh, I have the same. You know, my strengths or my weakness is this, my You know, everyone is, is strength usually is, is their weakness. If you're too nice, sometimes people, and that's what these people do. And So I just really want to say really that none of this was had anything to do with you being at fault in any way whatsoever.
1: Thank you. Um, Yeah. I mean, I've listened to a lot of the other episodes of your show, um, obviously like uh, before coming on here and um, like, I appreciate that my story is probably pretty mild in comparison. Like, I feel very lucky that he and I were never more involved than we were. So, like, we never lived together. We weren't married. We never had kids. Um, But with him, like, I really, truly feel like it was like death by a thousand cuts. It was just like, you know, all the times that he shut down the conversation when I tried to talk about myself or, um, you know, all the times he would give me, like, that contemptuous, disdainful look when I was happy or, you know, like, the ways he would always let me know that he wasn't sure about me or I wasn't as good as his exes or that I wasn't good enough for him. Um, And so I think that's part of the reason why I wanted to like to come on the podcast and tell this story because it's like you say at the beginning of the podcast, like narcissism is a spectrum and my ex is like, he was not a grandiose person. He's like an average guy with an average job, like average apartment. He's not an angry person. Like, I said, like, to this day, I've never seen him angry. We never had a fight. There were no big dramatic events. Like, I never had to call the police on him. I never had to get a restraining order. Um, You know, like, he never hit me so hard that, like, I ended up in the hospital. Um, So I think that that, like, for me, made it harder to recognize what was going on. It made me sort of doubt my own perception because he really like, was just sort of masquerading as, like, an, ah, shucks, nice guy, and, like, yeah, maybe sometimes he doesn't have a filter, and he says things that, like, are inadvertently hurtful, Um, but it's, like, just the day-to-day sort of, like, covert, you know, manipulative conversations were just, like, so insidious and so cumulative, so, like, after a year and, like, So this whole thing was a year and a half. So in a year and a half, um, I met him. We broke up three times. We got back together twice. I took a one-month medical leave from work. I quit my job and got a new job. Um, Like, all of that happened in a year and a half. And, And, yeah, I just... By the time our relationship ended, I just felt worthless stupid like unattractive uninteresting and like just crazy um the third time he broke up with me you know it was the same thing you know he was a nice guy he blamed me for everything you know it was my fault that we were breaking up because he just couldn't make me happy you know I didn't trust him he just felt like he was never enough um you know he never knew what I was thinking and he asked me like how many times does he have to try and like to reassure me that, you know, that he wants to be with me. Um, and I'm like, how many times, like, he has never once apologized or admitted fault for anything he said or did. Um, the first t- after we got back together, the first time he came, the first time he was at my house, he started kissing me and I stopped him and I told him, like, you hurt me. And he just kind of, like, rolled his eyes and, like, signed, like, I know. Like, he was just so annoyed that I would even bring it up. Like, he, he never acknowledged like the hurt that he caused. Um, And I, you know, that's sort of, I wonder if he's sort of working on that same narrative that he had with some of his exes, you know, like he really loved them and like, they just didn't want to be with him. And that's kind of almost what it seemed like when he broke up with me, like, you know, we're really great, but like, how many times do I have to tell you like, that I love you and want to be with you? So, you know, it's like, it's all my fault, right? Because you know, he's so hurt that he put so much effort into the relationship and I just don't recognize it. So anyways, that's how it ended.
0: So where are you now in your healing process?
1: So that, um, that was two months ago. Um, Oh, so this is
0: really recent. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. So the first month sucked. I mean, it was like the same thing, like just physical withdrawals, um, you know, I just trying to even figure out who I was. Like, I just felt like I was in pieces. Like, I'm like, I don't even know where to begin starting to put myself back together. Like, I just, I was like lost. Like I would go to the grocery store and I'm like, what do I buy if I'm not buying what he wants? Like, I don't even know what to watch on TV because, like, what do I choose if it's not based on, you know, what would win his approval? So, I mean, that was really like the first month was just like learning how to function day to day again. Um, This is the end of month two. So, uh, we broke up on Independence Day. So, that was a little bit over two months ago. And um, so, things are better now. Like, my emotions are stabilized. I I'm going to be taking part in a 12-week support group for women who are in abusive relationships or who have been in abusive relationships. So um, I think that will be helpful just to hear, like, other people's experiences and um, just, I don't know, maybe it will make me feel less crazy.
0: <laughs> and- right,
1: I mean, right now I just I feel crazy. I feel like... Some days I feel like the whole thing was my fault and I'm blowing it way out of proportion. Other days I'm like, no, he's like a complete sociopath. And you know, sometimes I have like a ton of compassion for him. Other days I'm just so mad at him. Like I'm shaking. Um, yeah. So I don't, I, I, I'm still working on perspective.
0: (laughs) Well, it's only been two months and it's going to take, longer than 2 months you're going to go through this period where you're still confused about everything that happened you're starting to feel shame and guilt which has been there anger you're going to be angry for a while oh I'm not going to, I'm not putting words in your mouth but in my experience you know that's going to happen and it's going to be a process for you and it's not something your situation was. You were in it. You were pretty deep in it, yeah. and a lot of stuff happened, and a lot of traumatic stuff happened. So, I hope that you are able to get uh, trauma help. Uh, if you want to talk with me uh, off the podcast here and there, uh, I'd love to. If you want to, okay. we can we can yeah, we can discuss yeah. that. And we can just sit and talk, and you can just talk through things, and we can do something like that if you want.
1: Yeah, that would be awesome.
0: And uh, so you're going to do the support group? Yeah. Are you going to go see a therapist? Can you afford to see a therapist?
1: Yeah, yeah, I am. So I have an appointment uh, this weekend, actually, to um, meet a therapist. She specializes in, like, trauma and PTSD. I don't, yeah, I don't even know, like, I'm not diagnosing myself or, like, giving myself any labels, but I do know that I spend a lot of my day feeling very confused and, um You know, I'm very reactionary to things like I'm, I get startled really easily. I get, um, you know, it's really difficult for me to deal with people some days. And so I'm definitely going to do like the one-on-one counseling as well.
0: Yeah. A lot, a lot's happened, you know, it was a year and a half, but a lot of different manipulations happened with you, uh, from all different directions. So... There's a lot for you to unpack and and understand because it was just you got onslaughted in so like at work. It was that's you know, that's just another element, it just very confusing uh the, the 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 like circumstances that this guy's brother was there, zero protection on either end. Your world was literally turned upside down with no breather in any direction, complete confusion. The people at work who you went for validation of this is crazy didn't validate what was going on, making you think you were even crazier. Right, And I mean, the first line of defense you went to were for these people and they, and you got fit, you failed. So not you failed, they failed you in that sense. But I don't know, I'm not going to give them, blame them because I'm sure they just saw one aspect of things, but you got, you got the run around in all different directions. And the fact that you're sitting here and talking to me right now in my mind is amazing. So, oh, um,
1: thank you. That's I, so nice of you to say.
0: So I'm just, uh, thank you for coming on the show and being part of this. And I hope that we can, uh, chat after. And do you have any parting words, uh, before we sign off here?
1: Um, yeah. So I guess like when I was going through all of this, um, like you just said, like, I felt like I was crazy. People weren't really validating what I was uh, experiencing. And I really had a ton of self-doubt about what was going on um, because these people aren't just mean people. They, you know, it's very intermittent and there's lots of times where you have totally normal days or they're being really kind to you and it can be very confusing Um, And so when I was thinking about what I wanted to talk about, what I really wanted to focus on were like the red flags and, you know, the things that I noticed that I sort of brushed away or made excuses about um, and how I really, you know, my inner voice was screaming at me the entire time, like, get away, this is wrong, this is not okay, you know, I mentioned like how anxious and how much dread I would feel spending time with him. And, um, like I've spent time with people, like we've all been around people who are kind of jerks or people who are selfish, but this was different. Like when I, in hindsight, when I was with him, like my blood ran cold, he was missing something. Like there was a humanity that was missing to him. Um, and I knew that. And so I hope that if there's anybody listening to this who's in a dynamic with a person and they're, you know, they feel like something's off, it's like just check in with yourself, like check in early, check in often if, you know, this relationship or this dynamic is consuming you if it's all you're thinking about, if you're spending every day crying, if this you know, this person is all you can think about or talk about, if this is, you know, the only topic of conversation you have with your friends, like just trust your gut and I promise you, as scary as it is to leave. Like, I'm still a mess. I'm not in a great place right now, but it is a million times better than where I was when I was with him. And so I hope that, I don't know, I just, if there's anybody listening, like, I believe you, what you are experiencing, your perception is real. Like, what you perceive is happening is happening. And that's it.
0: Well, thank you for being on the show. Annie. Thank you. And for everyone else out there, have a good night. And that was my conversation with Annie. And I told you that you had not heard it all before. And for those of you out there that felt like that sounded extreme or different from your story, I just want to remind you that it's still, in the essence of that story, it's still the same at the core. So if you're feeling guilt or shame about what happened to you please do your best and take it easy on yourself because just like annie you did nothing wrong when it comes to narcissistic abuse so again i just want to thank annie for being on the show for bring being brave enough to tell her story and a big shout out to annie and hopefully i hear back from you soon and we keep in touch besides that before i leave here today I just want to remind everyone, we created a Facebook group, which is different from our Facebook page. It's more interactive, so everyone can be involved. And our Facebook page is facebook.com slash groups slash Narcissist Apocalypse, if you want to join our page. And another reminder, if you want to interact with us on Reddit at reddit.com, you can go to our subreddit, which is Narcissist Apocalypse. It's a capital N and Narcissist in a capital A on Apocalypse, if you want to talk to us there. Also, again, one last time, if you want to record a letter to your narcissist for our Letter to Your Narcissist episode, go to our website, NarcissistApocalypse.com. On the right side of the page, there will be a button that's floating around that says Send Voicemail. Click on that button, record your letter to a narcissist. If it takes you more than one, because it's only five minutes long per voicemail, record a second part or a third part, as many as you need send it away and we'll stitch it together for that episode, our volume two of that episode. If you don't want to read your letter and you want myself or Melissa to read your letter, send us an email to NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com and we will uh, take your letter. You send it to us in some sort of uh, pages file or a Word document file and we will read your letter on that episode as well and I can't wait for that episode to take place. We just need as many letters as we can get to create that episode. And now that's it. The show is over. So until next episode, for everyone out there in the Narcissist Apocalypse community, I just wish you a good week and take care of yourselves.